Today's reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Awesome. Thank you, Aaron. I invite you guys to to pray with me as we dive into God's word this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for... For this Advent season, Lord, as we look for expectation, as we celebrate all the things that you continue to do in and through our lives, Lord, Lord, I thank you for the time for us to be able to pause with all the, the Christmas shopping and the deals and, and the programs and sports and all these things, Lord, to, to come into your place, Lord, whether online or here, to be able to hear your word, to be reminded of this Advent season and its purpose for it. Father, we pray that you would give us insight and knowledge and wisdom and hope as we look for the expectation of Jesus. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. So we are continuing on. I totally thought, I, I was gone last weekend, so I totally thought that this week was the first start of Advent, but we're on the second week, which is super exciting, so I'm a, I'm a week late, unfortunately. But we're continuing on in our Advent season, and majority of the time as we talk about this idea of Advent, this word Advent literally means an arrival for something longed for or anticipated. It's an expectation of something that is longed for or anticipated. And for a lot of us, and even the rest of the world, as we look at what's going to be longed for and anticipated, we usually celebrate the birth of Jesus, right? Most of you guys maybe have a a manger scene outside or a manger scene inside your home, right? And and you have this, like, cute little baby Jesus, or you've gone to different events where you see a cute little baby going by, and you're like, oh, that's Jesus, how cute, that's awesome, right? And, And that's great as we celebrate and are reminded and celebrate the birth of Jesus coming to earth to do his ministry, to to lay down his life for us. But there's also another reason why we celebrate this season of Advent as well. And, And this is what I think not much of the world really understands because not only is this an anticipation and celebration of the birth of Christ, but it's an anticipation and celebration for the return of Christ, right? Jesus already came down to earth. He did his thing, right? He reigns even today. Now he died, but is risen and ascended into heaven and and rules over all things. And and so today for us, we, we use this season as a, as a time for anticipation and hope for for when Jesus comes to return, that he's going to make all things new. I've never experienced a a birth of a child before, but I I hear it's magical. I I hear it's incredible. I hear it's a literal miracle. And it's probably a little gross, too, not going to lie. But I can't wait to experience the return of Christ to make all things new. I can't wait for, as the book of Revelation said, every, every tear to be wiped away, for there to be no more mourning or death or pain, that a new heaven and a new earth is going to come, and Jesus is going to fully reign over all things. 
That's a really special time for us to be able to celebrate and get excited about. Even as we go through all the different things of putting up trees and lights. And aren't these decorations awesome, by the way? Shout out to Gwen Friedel for putting this up. This is really great. Really solid stuff. But as we anticipate this, this birth of Christ, we also anticipate the, the coming of, of Jesus returning to make all things new. And, and part of this comes to to fruition throughout the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, which we just read, uh, my clicker's not working today. Let's see, let's see if it's on. It's on. No battery. There we go. Uh, so it comes from Isaiah chapter 9, which we just read, verses 6 through 7. I'll have us read through it together because this is tied to our sermon series called And He Shall Be Called. And we're going to go through these different names. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of the hosts will do this. And I love these four names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Throughout this sermon series, we're going to go through each different name that Isaiah gives and its implications for what it means for them back then, but also what it means for us today. And the names in the Bible are important, and you guys probably know some of these different names, like, like it was first Abram to now Abraham, right? Another syllable is added, or you go from Jacob to... Israel, good job. Israel literally means wrestles with God. And so these names have importance and they have significance and, and purpose for whatever the Lord was going to do during that time. And what's really cool about the book of Isaiah and Isaiah's name specifically, it's actually translated to Yesha Yahoo, which means not Yahoo like dot com, uh, but it literally translates to the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. And so these prophecies that Isaiah is sharing is, is pointing to the fact that the Lord is salvation. And what's even cooler is that as you get into Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says this, she will bear a son, this is the angel, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Isn't that a cool thing that, that Isaiah's name says, the Lord is salvation, and now we get to Jesus in this prophecy that he will save people from their sins. It's an awesome connection. And so names have a purpose in Hebrew culture, and Isaiah's prophecy is no different. But if we go back to Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. So we're going to focus a little bit on, on Wonderful Counselor. But we're going to start with this, this idea of counselor. Now, back in the day in, in Hebrew culture, counselors were more than just uh, what we see today as counselors uh, in, our con in our context, right? Not just mental health counselors, but, but these counselors provided advice and, and provided insight for the, the sake of the nation, for the sake of everybody else. And oftentimes what happened was counselors sat at the right hand of the king and they had power and they had influence over what would happen. 
And so there are times when there were really good counselors, and there are times that there were really bad counselors, or, or really good kings that listened to the counselors, and kings that, had, uh, that didn't listen to the counselors, and we saw what would happen then. So if you go, for example, like King David, he had two counselors during his time, during his reign, and his success was great, and he sought counsel and advice for them, from them. But on the other hand, if you were to look at other kings, kings like King Nebuchadnezzar or like a king like Pharaoh, they either didn't listen to the counselors when they offered insight for the sake of the nation, or, or they had really bad ones that they listened to, and, and we saw that their destruction was inevitable, right? And, and to be fair, if I'm thinking of the word counselor, I, I'm a biased husband because um, I'm a big fan of, of counseling and counselors because my wife uh, is a counselor, which is really cool to say now, uh, but they don't, again, specifically mean mental health counselors. Oftentimes when we talk about counselors, it was for the sake of the well-being of the entire nation together. Now, uh, I think there are two ways for us to look at how we view counselors today. Um, has anyone ever seen Ted Lasso recently? There's a couple of you guys. I'm going to make a Ted Lasso reference. It, if you haven't seen it, it's totally fine. Like, you're not, like, out of the mix. But it's a good show. Uh, but I feel like there are two ways that Ted Lasso looks at the view of counselors. So, like, uh, in season two, they introduce this new character who's a counselor for the soccer team or football team, and uh, there are scenes where these soccer players are walking out of her office and they're like in tears, or they're like, this is the greatest thing ever, and their life has changed, and it's amazing, and they feel like they got some really good support, really good advice, really good walkthroughs with this counselor, and their life was changed. And then you get to the, to the coach, Ted Lasso, and every time he sees her, he, he tends to get uncomfortable and tends to, like, walk away or try to avoid. And, and I feel like that's kind of like how we view this idea of counselors or people who want to walk with us, right? There's, there's this growing divide between people who want to seek advice and counsel from others to grow, but there's also a growing divide of distrust with counselors or organizations or people and others who, who want the best for their lives. And to be fair, mental health counselors is just one avenue for how we look at counseling and influence on a regular basis. Right? We're, we're actually influenced by a lot of things in our lives that sometimes we don't even realize. Right? Things like, like Instagram influencers, things like commercials, don't they influence us? or advertisements, uh, things like life coaches, which I, I don't really understand what that is. Anyways, uh, blogs, people who write blogs about different things, right, to help influence our lives for the better. If you could just do this, or if you just had this product, or this McDonald's meal is going to be really healthy for you. What? No. And, and the truth is this, is that we oftentimes all the time, take advice from people who are broken and sinful as, as much as we are, right? And, and the truth is that what's often shared is not always shareable. Can I, can I say that again? What's, what's often shared may not always be beneficial to being shareable. And there's this kind of equation that I think about as we think about things that influence us in life or people that influence us or, or make meaning in, in both good ways and bad ways. And, and it's this equation, Power equals, here we go, power equals platform and people. So, so if you have a platform, if you have something that you want to share or some place that you want to share something, and you have people that want to listen to you, 
then that means that you have influence or power. Right, things like, like social media, right? We have a platform for social media, people who are friends on there that want to hear from us. That, that gives us influence to be able to shape other people's lives, right? And, and there are things that, that people have power over and influence over that can be really, really great. There's some great examples, things like, like teachers. Teachers have a great platform being at school. Their people are, are little people or, or young people, whoever it is, to be able to influence them for the better. And I still remember some of my teachers growing up, and I still remember people telling stories about going back to the teacher and thanking them for changing their life. Like, that's an incredible example of how we see counseling being done, people walking with other people and sharing in that love. There are things like pastors, right, especially in times of crisis, things like funerals where they can offer hope of the resurrection of Jesus, being able to stand here on a Sunday morning, people, people can give really great things, can point us to Christ in that way. Student leaders on sports teams or academic teams, they have influence, they have power, they have a platform to be able to share that. They have people that want to listen to them. They are able to share in that. And then there are bad, bad examples, which I'm not going to get into because once I say bad examples, your minds probably go into a million different directions. You guys probably already know. But, but here's the reality is that people who have influence and power are always broken no matter what, including ourselves. But what Isaiah is sharing with this, in this wonderful counselor, he says this in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. It says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, who, who's the father of David, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of, what? Counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of Yahweh, of the Lord. That this wonderful counselor is the Holy Spirit that continues to work in and through us and, and through the rest of the world. And there's a promise that the Spirit of God will be rested upon Jesus. This counselor rests upon Jesus. As he begins his earthly ministry, as he comes up from the baptism waters, there's the Spirit of God that descends on him like a, like a dove. And it rests on him. And he does incredible things, miracles, teaching other people, exercising demons out of people. Incredible things. Because every time that the Spirit of God rests upon people in Scripture in times of need is when God displays his true power. Because the Spirit of God is God himself. As we talk about the triune God, the Trinity God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that descends upon Jesus to do incredible works, that descends on other people to do incredible works. And not only does the Spirit descend upon Jesus, but the Spirit descends upon his disciples too. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit on the disciples, that the same power that raises Jesus' dead body is the same power that rests in the disciples. He says this in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that word power there is not just like, 
like battery power. It's not the Energizer Bunny. But it's this explosive, dynamic power that, that seeks to serve other people. He says, that power that, that's rested upon me, it's, it's going to be given to you, my disciples, to be witnesses in, in, to the ends of the earth. And what's really cool is that that same word power is used to describe miracles in the New Testament. A, a display of God's power to care for and to love other people. And then Jesus continues on in John 16. I know there's a lot of Bible verses here, but I just want to hear this out. John 16, verse 7 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. The Holy Spirit will not come to you, the advocate. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because people don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because he's already overcome the world. Because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is a wonderful counselor. A counselor with power and influence to be able to, to do incredible things that the work of God does because he's God himself. But what about that word wonderful before counselor? So we've talked about counselor. We've talked about the importance of the Holy Spirit working in and through us and through this, his disciples. But that word wonderful is important too. It makes me think of Psalm 139 where it says, for I fear you because I, or I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That, that my life, that you created God, has purpose. And its purpose is not for evil, but it's, it's for good things. And if my life was created for, for good things that in order to give you praise, then this wonderful counselor that has all of the power, that has all of the glory, is also good too. The, the, the wonderful counselor is good. The Holy Spirit is good. And, and that's good news for us as we go back to our equation, right? That power equals platform and people. That there might be other people who have influence and power that, that might try to manipulate us or try to have us do other things or think about other things or buy ridiculous things on Amazon because my... Honestly, the power from Amazon reviews is like real strong for me right now. Anyways, but the Holy Spirit is good. The Holy Spirit is good that we can trust in him. Wonderful counselor. And what's crazy about this is that the Holy Spirit, we don't often talk about because sometimes we don't fully understand the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's not really a a sexy thing to really talk about the Holy Spirit because we can't really see him, right? But I'll show you exactly what, what the Holy Spirit does. You guys ready? You guys ready online? I'm going to move you guys around. Don't get nauseous. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It just, 
just points us to Christ. The Holy Spirit just points people to Christ. Points us to Christ, points our family to Christ. It's not overly impressive. Jesus laying down his life for us is an incredible thing. And the Holy Spirit's like, look. Look what he's done for you. This is why he came. So that he could lay down his life even though you don't deserve it. The Holy Spirit's just saying, I like that TikTok where it's just like, like the Holy Spirit's job is just to point people to Christ. And what I'm not saying is that for us to be an influencer for Christ. But what I am saying is that, that we get to influence because of Christ. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit through the, through the baptism of our life for new life to happen within us for us to just step aside and say, it's not me, it's, it's Jesus. He does all the things, not me. Our whole witness is to see what the Spirit is doing and to be used by him to point people to Christ. We're just the camera. <laughs> we just get to go. And the Spirit continues to work in and through us on a regular basis as a wonderful counselor. So, so what does that look like? Well, in our platforms, we point people to Christ. In our families, we, we, we point people to Christ. In our communities, we, we point people to Christ. And, and we see the work of the Holy Spirit work in us through the body of Christ, not just you on your own. That's a lot to take on. It's the Holy Spirit that does all the work, but we just get to be a part of it as the body of Christ. I love that each and every week that we get a chance to be able to say the Apostles' Creed, and Luke, if you just put up the last article on there. This is the last section of the Apostles' Creed. It says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And then afterwards, we don't actually talk about the Holy Spirit, but we get to talk about the works of what the Holy Spirit is doing each and every day. The, the Holy Christian Church. The Holy Spirit's in this place. Not just in this building, but with you, the people, and you online. The, the communion of saints, the gathering together of people who have been redeemed and bought by the blood of Jesus. The, the forgiveness of sins. The Holy Spirit works to forgive sins. Enables us to forgive other sins. The, the resurrection of the body, that advent hope that we have that one day our bodies are going to die and we're going to be in the grave and Jesus is going to raise those dead bodies up. And then the life everlasting that we get to live eternally with God. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So, so during this season of Advent, there are going to be moments where you deal with family or, or, or people or other influencers that try to sway you in another direction. And we can continue to see what the Holy Spirit speaks to us as we, as we step aside and we say, no, it's Christ. Maybe someone has wronged you in the past and it's been years of festered, wait 
And it's like, no, because of Christ, I, I can't hold on to that anymore. I need to lay it down. Because Jesus is going to make all things right as we anticipate his return. We just get to do this. It's, it's not thrilling, but it's what the Holy Spirit continues to enable us to do. And we continue to do that, not just individually, but together as the body of Christ. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your counsel and for your wisdom and insight. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you continue to guide us even when it's scary, even though we don't often want to do it, whether it's connecting with people that have wronged us in the past, whether it's doing something as simple as giving gifts to children because we've received the ultimate gift in your son, Jesus. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit continues to convict us and reveal truth to us each and every day. Father, would you have us step aside and continue to point others to Christ in the work that he continues to do? We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said,